And please turn with me in God's word to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read together from verses 25 to 34. Probably well-known verses to many of us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Our Lord's teaching on being anxious. And so let's read these verses together and pay careful attention For this is God's own word. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Um, thus far, the reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. Um, we are all probably familiar with those words. Um, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Um, and maybe in context, having just read that, it's clear what is meant by these things. But I wonder if I'd not have read the whole passage and just read you that verse, it's probably well known. Uh, would you remember what these things are that would be added to you? Um, And what Jesus is saying clearly is these things are all the things that we need for body and soul. We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the confidence that all of these things will be added to us. Um, And in a profound sense, that's the way not only Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, that's also what the Lord's Prayer teaches us. How to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, How do we do that? Well, we do that by hallowing his name, by asking for his kingdom to come, by asking that his will would be done. Um, Even in that prayer, in a sense, it's teaching us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and to acknowledge that when we've done that, all of these things that God has promised will be added to us. And so it makes a certain sense, doesn't it, after we've prayed, seeking the kingdom and his righteousness, that we would then come to these things he's promised to add to us. Um, Our daily bread that he promises to give us and teaches us to pray for. All the necessities of life that are required by God's people. Um, And so in this prayer, we we learn to do what Jesus has been teaching us to do. And we learn how we are to think about this prayer request for our daily bread. And so as we think about this petition together and as we look at what the catechism has to say about it, uh, we want to look at it in three ways. Um, First, requesting God's gifts, then receiving God's gifts, and finally responding to God's gifts. Uh, That's what we see this petition is teaching us, how we are to request God's gifts, receive God's gifts, 
and respond to God's gifts. And so we want to think about that together as we think about this petition. Uh, First, it teaches us much about requesting the gifts of God. Um, That's the first place we start when we think about this petition in the catechism. Uh, What is the fourth petition? It's give us this day our daily bread, which means provide for all our physical needs. Um, It's a simple prayer to pray for a big need. Um, Everything that we need for our bodies, all the things that are necessary for physical life, that's what we're praying for when we pray for daily bread. Um, That needs to be said because in the history of the church, people have been somewhat confused about what we're praying for when we pray for daily bread. Some people have said, well, you know, when you're praying for daily bread, you're praying for sacramental bread. You're praying about the Lord's Supper. Some people have tried to make that argument. Some people have said, well, this is really a spiritual prayer for the heavenly bread, who is Jesus. That's the daily bread we need. Um, And although we do need the bread of the Lord's Supper and we do need Jesus as our heavenly bread, I don't think that's what Jesus was telling us to pray for in this petition. He's talking about our natural needs, our regular needs, our ordinary needs uh, for our bodies. Uh, We're asking for not just bread, but for all of our natural needs needs. Uh, boys and girls, when I was little, sometimes I wondered, why, are we, why do we pray all the time for bread and not for anything else? Um, that, that we're always, and then bread is good, don't get me wrong, but don't we want other things as well? Um, doesn't God provide us other things? And um, of course, I had to learn that when we pray for daily bread, we don't just mean bread, right? We're not only asking God for bread, but, but bread summarizes all that we need. It summarizes all the food that we need, all the drink that we need, all the clothing we need, the shelter we need, all of the things that are necessary for us to live. That's what we're asking for when we ask for that bread. Uh, That's what we're asking for, for God to provide for the physical needs that we have. And we're reminded in this petition that we need to do that daily. Right? We We have always to remember that God's word doesn't waste words. The words that God uses are important. Jesus doesn't just teach us to pray for bread. He teaches us to pray for daily bread, Uh, to recognize that God has promised to meet the needs that we have every day, um, and that every day we are going to have needs, um, that we are a a physically dependent people. Uh, We need all of those things just basically to survive, Um, and we don't ever stop being a a needy people. We need those things Every day, and God has prov- promised to provide them to us every day. That's why He says at the end of this section, You don't need to be anxious about tomorrow, because I will provide for you tomorrow. Um, and you have enough to worry about today. Uh, sufficient for today is the trouble that faces you. Um, you've, you have enough on your plate for today. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Let me worry about tomorrow. Um, and what God essentially is saying in this, in this prayer and in this sermon is, I will provide for you tomorrow the way I've provided for you today. Uh, you don't need to worry where I will be tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be the same place I was for you today, providing you for all, you need, that all that you need for body and soul. Um, our God is a God that provides for his people. He provides us daily bread. I think Jesus by that means to conjure up in the minds of his people that daily bread that came to them in the wilderness. The manna that came from heaven. It came every day, right? Except for the Sabbath. And that's why you were supposed to collect twice as much the day before 
the Sabbath day. But any other day, you couldn't collect more than what you needed for the day. If you tried, it would get gamey and wormy and gross and was no good for food. And God didn't want you collecting more than the day because he said, you collect enough for today and I'll provide it for you again tomorrow. And God did that for them for decades. Every day they walked out and found daily bread. And they didn't need to worry that God was going to not provide daily bread. It was there for them every day. And there was nothing they could do to hedge their bets. They couldn't collect more in case tomorrow doesn't come. Right? They had to be dependent on him every day. And what did they find? When they collected what God told them according to whatever size family you had, what they found is no matter how much you collected, you had enough. Right? The people that collected a lot for a big family, they found that they had enough. And the people who collected a little for a little family, they found that they had enough. There was sufficient for them and nothing was wasted. It was the perfect provision for them every day. And every day they came out and found that God had provided for them. And you remember that provision came after they started to question whether God would provide for them. Um, that, that they had asked the question, as God brought us out the wilderness just to die of hunger? Um, and Reformed theologians have pointed out, you know, there's a difference between anxious care and prudent care. There's a difference between being anxious about life and being prudent about life. Right, boys and girls were given the example in Proverbs of ants and how ants work. Uh, ants are diligent workers, and the, and the writer of Proverbs tells us, look at, look at how the ants work. They, they make good plans. They're a prudent little thing. Um, and, and there's a certain, it's commended to us in Proverbs 6 to think about the ants and think about how they work and how they they care. That's a, that is a sort of prudent care, wise planning for the future. Anxious care is when you, when you say, will God really provide for us? Has God brought us out into the wilderness to die? Um, and maybe we don't frame the question that way. Uh, maybe we've learned how to make it sound more pious. Uh, but I think sometimes we ask the same question, will God really provide for his people? Um, and it's the faith in our, in our Heavenly Father who knows what we need and promises to give it uh, that allows us to be sure that He'll provide for us tomorrow the way He's provided for us today. He never gave them reason to question His provision in the wilderness. That manna came every day until they entered the promised land, um, until they'd come home to that place uh, that was filled with vineyards that they didn't plant, and crops that they didn't plant, um, and houses that they didn't build that became theirs. Um, he was still providing for them. Um, and our God provides for us, and Jesus teaches us that. Our Father cares about us. He cared about us enough to send His Son into the world to save us. If He's already given us the thing that's most valuable to Him, do you really think He's not going to provide you food and drink and clothing and shelter? Jesus says he does that for the birds. But he doesn't love the birds enough to send his son to save them. He loves you enough to send his son to save you. Our Father cares about us. And that's really all that we need to know. He will provide for us. 
And so this prayer reminds us that we have a God who's promised to provide, a Father who's promised to provide and will certainly provide. And that's why we don't need to be anxious. We don't need to worry whether God will provide for his people. He's promised to provide. Um, God provides for us daily. And helping us to pray every day that he would provide for us daily as he's done all the days of our lives reminds us how dependent we are and how faithful he is. That as dependent as we are on him, our God has never failed to provide what we need. Um, I love when David says, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. He's testifying to the fact that every day when I needed something, the Heavenly Father provided it for me. Um, and that's the truth of who God is. And so every day we, we are acknowledging our need and we're acknowledging his provision. Uh, that we have a God who grants our requests, who provides for us and provides for us today. Um, and one of the reasons that we're called not to worry about tomorrow is because we don't even know if tomorrow will come. Right, that, that sometimes we worry so much about things that don't come to pass. Have you ever done that? You're worried about something and you're maybe making speeches about how you're going to deal with it and you're making plans and then it all just evaporates. The thing you thought wasn't true. You know, this happens to me as a pastor sometimes when people say, Pastor, can I meet with you to talk about something? And then I spin out in my mind all the, all the problems it could be, the potential things they might want to ask me. And then sometimes it's something very simple and I, I've spent my time worrying for nothing. Tried to be better about that over the years, but, you know, we're all works in progress. Um, but we can do that, can't we? We can spend our lives worrying about things that never come to pass. Um, and, and today is the thing to worry about because tomorrow might not come. We might worry about things that aren't necessary to worry about. Uh, Jesus reminds us in Luke 12 of the man who built his larger barn so that he could lay up ample goods for himself. And thought, you know, when I'm all done, then I'll be able to relax and eat and drink and be merry. And what do we read in Luke chapter 12, verse 20? But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Uh, we have no control over tomorrow. I mean, you might think, well, this is a decidedly Calvinist sermon that tells you not to worry about tomorrow, because you might be dead tomorrow after all. Um, is, that, is that the message of comfort I'm bringing um, in true Calvinist fashion. Well, no. One of the reasons that tomorrow should not be worried about is because the night is far gone and the day of salvations is at hand. Um, we don't want to think too much of this life as going on forever and ever uninterrupted in a, in a terrible march. The message that Christians have to be filled with is we're, at, we're standing at the very threshold of the promised land. And when we step over and cross over that Jordan into that promised land that's awaiting the people of God, you won't need the daily bread because you'll be in the land that flows with milk and honey. That, that was what God's people were being taught in that image, right? You're going from a good thing to a greater thing. You know, manna's good, but knowing how boys and girls are, I have to imagine that there were children at the table saying, do we have to eat manna again? Do we have anything else, Mom? Um, and so there was this promise, right, that there's a day coming when you're going to go into a land that's full of milk and honey, that's filled with good things. The covenant blessings were even put that way. The harvest will be so great, you'll still be, you know, you'll, you'll be harvesting right up until the time it's time to start planting again. 
There's just going to be so much to bring in, you're going to be harvesting forever. And that was pictures of just the abundance of the wealth that awaits the people of God. And so what what God is saying, what Jesus is saying is, the heavenly Father will provide you what you need today and something greater tomorrow. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow something greater is coming. Today he'll meet the need for today. That's what this prayer is reminding us of. There was a heavenly bread that led to milk and honey. There was a daily provision that led to rest in the promised land. That's what's being held out for the people of God. There's a glorious future for us and our hope won't be disappointed. But until we enter into rest, we can be assured that there will be daily help. That our Father will provide us what we need for body and soul. That's what we're to think of when we request the gifts of God. And to know that when we request them, we will receive them. This prayer also teaches us about receiving the gifts of God. Um, The the catechism goes on to remind us. uh, we, We provide, please provide for us all of our daily needs so that we may recognize that you are the only source of everything good. And that neither our care and work nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. Therefore, may we withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in you alone. We're asking God to give those, that daily bread, to give those physical needs into our possession. uh, That we would really receive them and understand what we are receiving. Um, One of the interesting things about being at seminary is you meet people from all kinds of different cultures um, and and you're reminded in a powerful way um, that there are people who pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, not sure if they're going to have it or not sure where it's coming from. Maybe it's a better way of saying that. Um, My dad talks about once Um, a a foreign student sitting next to him, and when we were talking about daily bread, he started to smile, and he said, you know, I've always noticed that when you pray for daily bread, you have full cupboards and full refrigerators, and um, that that you recognize it's still from God, but you don't struggle in the same way we struggle when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Um, Even David, who said, your children have never begged bread, found himself at a point in life where he was begging for bread. That's more metaphorical to talk about the provision of God, but there was time that he had to go to the temple and beg bread, go to the tabernacle and beg bread, right? There are times that people, that God's people are in need. Um, and so we, we who are very blessed should never forget the fact that just because we have much in terms of our physical needs for body and soul, food and drink, clothing and shelter, are still just as dependent on the people who have empty cupboards, Um, we can't say that we've got sort of the market cornered on this petition. We can move on to the others because this petition reminds us that, you know what, uh, neither our care um, nor our attention to these things could make use of these things without the blessing of our God. Um, It can be easy for us to forget how dependent we are to God for the things that we eat and the things that we wear and the places that we live. Um, That we are still dependent on him um, for that daily bread. And that although there are times he's provided that immediately, like bread from heaven, um, or like you know the widow of Zarephath who had the jar of uh, the flour and oil that didn't run out, 
or Jesus turning water into wine or feeding the crowds. There has been time that God has provided for his people immediately, but normally the way he's provided them is through the means of their labor, uh, that he's called us to work and promised to establish the work of our hands. Um, That's the way we really receive the things that we ask for, um, is through the blessing of God on our work, and that's why the Bible calls us to, to work for our daily bread. Um, that that's the way God provides for us, um, is calling us to work and blessing the work of our hands. Um, and that, that's the cons- that's consistent teaching of God's word that we should be a people who work um, and who are reminded even in the midst of our work that our care and work couldn't do us any good if God would not bless those things. It's a mindset that we have, uh, that work is a blessing from God and it's the means through which he provides for us. Paul made that point to the Thessalonians when he said in 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 through 12, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked day and night, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would, not, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. That God provides, but he provides through the means of work. Now, we see that even in the charity provisions of the Old Testament. Um, Even those provisions that God gave for the poor and those in need, they all required work. You know, don't glean the corners of your fields so that the poor can come through and glean those things. That's what stuck out to Boaz about Ruth, is that she was such a hard worker um, in gleaning, picking up the things that the harvesters didn't pick up, um, picking the things that were left. It was to be left so that they could work for their daily bread. It's the same principle that God allowed his people to sell themselves into into voluntary servitude for a time so that they would work for someone who is providing for their living. And then that person would let them go after a certain period of time and provide for them so that they could make ends meet for themselves. But they had earned that by their work, right? Um, Leaving the land to lie fallow every seven years, you didn't work the land. That would allow the poor to come through and work the land. Um, These are all provisions that God made for the poor, but so they could work and have their daily bread that way. Um, So God is teaching us that he's providing us for work, that he would establish the work of our hands and provide for us that way. But it reminds us that he's still the one providing those things for us um, so that we might be reminded that whatever we have is from his hand. Even though he's given us our daily bread and that daily bread is ours, it's to be used in the way that he's given to us if we truly want his blessing. Um, And how are we to use that daily bread? Well, for ourselves, but also so that we'll have something to share with those who are in need. Um, Even though God has no patience for those who are idle and says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, he still recognizes there are times there are people who want to work, who want to provide for themselves, who want to eat, but can't. Then God says that's why we have a covenant community, so you can provide out of what I've given you for those who are in need. 
Uh, so we remain in charitable in our spirits. Now, that also is pleasing to our God. Um, and so we have to balance those two attitudes when it comes to, to our work and to our daily bread. Yes, it's ours. We worked for it. Um, but it wouldn't have come to us with any profit apart for the gift and the blessing of God. Even the things that have come into our hands were reminded. We couldn't even use those things for our benefit without the blessing of our God. He's a God that's given to us. Given us the work that we might receive the daily bread still from his hand and that we might have something to share with those who are in need. Um, and so it reminds us too that we have to respond to God's gifts in a certain way. Um, that God has given us these gifts and wants us to think about these gifts that he's delivered in our hands so that we might respond appropriately to all the gifts that he's given to us. So we might have the proper attitude. I mean, one of the attitudes that he teaches us is to be moderate in our lives and to be content with little. Um, reminds us that what we have in this life is not everything. And that's a constant challenge in the Christian life. Um, you know, it, it struck me with new force this week reading a devotional where the, the minister pointed out, you know, what's so difficult for us is we live in a world that's so fixated on the present. Um, it, it makes the present ultimate. And Christians are trying to live with a whole different mindset that the future is ultimate. Um, and so we're always pressed by a culture in, in trying to impress us with that worldly attitude that just worry about today, you don't need to worry about tomorrow. Right? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, that kind of Epicurean way of thinking, um, which you know, strikes us as kind of foolish. Um, but at the same time, it, it kind of captures that sentiment of living with today as the ultimate. Um, and builds up our, in our minds all the things that we need for this life that can tend to interfere with what we need for the life to come. Um, that we need to sacrifice all that on the throne of the on the on the altar of the promise of the future. Um, and, and one of these things that this prayer is doing is reminding us that really all I need today is my daily bread. All I need is enough to meet my needs. I, I don't need a lot. I don't need the latest and greatest thing. Um, you know, any, any parent who's had a child has probably had to say at some point um, when the child said, I need this. And say, no, you don't need it. You want it, um, but you don't need it. I was struck today by seeing an, an iPhone commercial where the, the big selling point is that you can take slow motion selfies and I thought, man, we need that in mass communication devices. This is the pressing need of our day to be able for me to take a slow motion picture of myself going. <laughs> and I thought, is this, is this really the world we're living in? This is the need of our time? Now, the Apple, in fairness, the Apple Corporation would probably admit that that's not a need that we have. Um, but I thought how easy it is to get distracted with the things of this world and to realize you don't actually need to take slow motion selfies. Um, the things that we need, the Lord will provide for us. Um, and in all seriousness, it takes the kind of cultivation of that attitude that, that Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 6, 
6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we, can take, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Um, Paul said, you know, we live our lives as having nothing and yet possessing everything. Um, and even Jesus, who'd been, you know, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, when he's offered the temptation of tur- turning stones into bread, said, I don't live by bread alone. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Um, godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, if we have enough for today, we'll be satisfied with today. Um, God will provide us what we need. We have to be content with life. Discontentment is a great threat to the Christian church. Uh, To think that I can find my contentment apart from the things of the Lord elsewhere. Um, Paul talks about those who've been in love with the present world and have left him. The present world can be an attraction Um, We can see the things around us and say, you know, if I just have that, I'll be happy. Um, And it's a reminder to us that sinful desires can never be satisfied. They can be gratified, but they can't be satisfied. Um, They can be gratified for a time, but they'll want more. Um, They can never be satisfied. Only godly desires ever are satisfied. And that's what we're being reminded of in this prayer. All I really need is enough for today. And tomorrow, I have a God who will provide what I need for that day. Um, This prayer teaches us every day to to be confident in our Father, to know that he will provide for us what we need today. And so we need to be moderate and content in our life. I think the second thing this petition teaches us in responding to God's gifts is to be grateful. Right? Especially a prosperous people can really forget the fact that we are dependent on God for what we have. And when we forget how much we're dependent on him and how much he's provided for us, that leads to ingratitude. Right? It's easy for us to begin to think that we're self-made people. I love it when people use that. He's a self-made man. I thought, none of us are self-made. Even the things that that we do that are successful in our efforts, they're still gifts of God. There's no one who's self-made. Really only fallen creatures could come up with that, right? I'm self-made. And it leads to ingratitude. There are famous cases of ingratitude in the Bible. Um, We might think of Nebuchadnezzar, um, who is walking and looking over Babylon one day and says, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power? And this is after Daniel had come and warned him. One day you're going to say, this is Babylon that you made by your great power, and God's going to make you like an animal for it. He still couldn't help himself. He's looking at it one day, man, I've done great things. I am a great person. Um, And then he was out like an animal for a while because he realized that he had not made Babylon or made himself. And he became, understood what it was to be just like an animal. 
We can think of the king of Assyria. We talked about this occasion a little bit this morning, but when he came to Jerusalem, in Isaiah 10, 13, we read the king of Assyria saying, by the strength of my hand, I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I have understanding, I remove the boundaries of people and plunder their treasures. And the Lord, of course, said, you didn't do it. I did it for you. I used you as my tool for my purposes. But God says, when the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. Um, Pride and ingratitude are terrible things. Uh, The same is true of Pharaoh in Ezekiel's day. Ezekiel 29, we read, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lies in the midst of his streams and says, My Nile is my own. I made it myself. Um, And Ezekiel prophesies, Behold, I will bring a sword upon you and will cut you off from you man and beast and the land of Egypt shall be a desolate and a waste and then they will know that I am the Lord. Because you said, The Nile is mine. And I made it. God says, no, actually, the Nile is mine, and I made it. Um, right? There can be a sense of ingratitude. And we're, we're well advised to remember that we don't have anything we've not been given. We don't have anything that we've not been given. Um, that's the message of Deuteronomy 8, 10, and 18. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. You shall remember that the Lord your God, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. There's nothing that we don't have that's not from Him. So be grateful. Be content with little, be moderate, be grateful for what the Lord gives us that's for our need every day, and also be generous. I think that's what this verse teaches us as well. This petition of the Lord's Prayer teaches us to be generous. We have a generous God who is generous with his people, um, who promises to give us everything we need, and yet is so generous that he often gives us far more than just our basic needs. I love when Calvin talks at a certain point about, you know, God could have given us a black and white bread and water world and said, that's all you need. Um, But it's not a black and white bread and water world. It's a world filled with color and filled with taste and filled with good things. That's what God has given us because he's not just powerful with the things that are his, he's generous with the things that are his. Um, And he calls us to be a generous people. Um, He didn't spare his own son. He gave him for us all. He also gives us all things that we need. And we're to be children who look like our father. Uh, We we say that sometimes, don't we? He's his father's son. Um, She's her mother's daughter. Uh, We we speak that way sometimes. We're, We're to be our father's children in the way that we live. We have a God who's generous and open-handed, and we're to be generous and open-handed. And we're to recognize that we've been given things not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. And so to be generous what we have um, and share with people in need. 
That's why God, God's word reminds us he loves a cheerful giver. Right? We sometimes say that when we collect the offering. We remind people God loves a cheerful giver. That's not to put a guilt trip on the people of God as we take the offering. What's it a reminder of? God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because he is a cheerful giver. He never comes to us and says, you need more today? What a needy people. You know, he doesn't come to us like Ebenezer Scrooge. You need to put another lump of coal on the fire? Are you that cold? No, God is a cheerful giver. He pours out goodness on his people. And he calls us to be a people who pour out goodness on other people as well. Um, who are eager to share what we have with those who are in need. And so this reminds us how much God gives to us and how we should model that generosity in what we give to others. Um, now this is a big calling, isn't it? To be content, right? And to, and to be cheerful and to be generous, to be grateful. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to pray. Give it to us. Lord, I can't gin this up in myself. I know myself too well. I'll be discontented and I'll be ungrateful and I'll be closed-fisted. Help me to be more like you. Help me to be more like you who sent your son to meet my need, poured out your riches to me in my poverty so that I might be an heir of Christ and an heir with him. Now let's model that in our own lives and ask God that he would help us to give us this day our daily bread and to respond to it in a way that's pleasing in his sight. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, would you help us to continue to remember this petition to give us this day our daily bread, to remember that you provide us all that we need and that neither our care or the, even the things that have been given into our hands could be used with any benefit without your blessing to remember that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. Help us to respond to those, to those things you've given to us, the gifts you give, in a way that honors and glorifies your name. And may we continue to bear witness that we are a people who have been given much by you and are a people who should give much to the world in cheerfulness. Help us in this, we pray, by your spirit, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.